the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, today will be part eight in our series, Our Faith. What will others see in 2023 that began at the cusp of this new year? And my hope is that this series of teaching sessions is enabling us to see the variety of natural and creative ways we can reach out to people in our spheres of influence so that they see our faith in words and deeds. In other words, in the midst of our everyday lives and routines, they'll see Jesus in us. Friends, let's keep our eyes and ears peeled and watch for those naturally occurring but God-engineered circumstances that pave the way to spiritual conversations so that we can become loving channels through whom God demonstrates His love. And if you missed any previous sessions, you can easily catch up or even share them with others by way of the podcasts posted at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Well, today in Part 8, we'll learn three lasting keys that pave the way. And I'll tell you in advance, friends, these keys are not for the faint of heart. So put your spiritual seatbelts on and get ready for the ride ahead. Because our ride today that's beginning our study is a true event that occurred in the life of a young man in Dallas, Texas, named Jerry. Jerry is a Christian who works in Dallas and drives his motorcycle to work every day. On one particular day, he pulled into a parking spot and noticed that in the spot next to him, a motorcycle exactly like his was there. Well, two nights later, leaving work, Jerry came out to the parking lot only to discover his mirror was gone. So he looked around and in a nearby spot where that other bike happened to be parked. To his amazement, there was his mirror mounted on that other motorcycle. He recognized it immediately because his mirror had some scuff marks and scratches on it. He couldn't believe it. 
Actually, he was infuriated, and not only unfastened the mirror and put it back on his own bike, he decided to punish this other person by flooding the engine on his bike. Now, flooding the engine didn't cause any damage, but it would take the owner a little extra time to start, you know, just to frustrate him a little. But when Jerry got home, the Holy Spirit started working on him and convicted him of his retaliatory attitude and behavior that evening. So in response, Jerry ended up driving back to the parking lot to discover that the other person's bike was still there. He thought to himself, I really need to treat this person as if they were someone with a deep need. Apparently this person needs a mirror since he stole mine. So he zipped over to a nearby store and purchased a mirror just like his and attached it to the other person's bike. He also left this note. I know you stole my mirror. I'm the one who flooded your bike. But because of a relationship I have with Jesus Christ, he won't tolerate this attitude and behavior in my life. Along with the note, Jerry left his name and phone number. Well, friends, the very next night, that guy called Jerry and said, You know, I've stolen a lot of things in my life, but I never got that kind of reaction. Can we talk? So that same night, this young guy drove over to Jerry's apartment, got down on his knees, and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Amen, right? Well, friends, I've shared with you in the past that what often marks us out as Christians is how we respond or react to the circumstances of life. Many times it's precisely our responses to life circumstances that cause others to take notice of us. You see, friends, these days, especially with everyone wearing their emotions on their sleeves and the heightened anxiety and frustration level that we're all living with day in and day out, a spirit-controlled temperament will certainly stand out. Last time I asked us all this question, are we excited about and do we anticipate or look forward to the possibility that the Lord may so engineer circumstances in order to provide us with an opportunity to display our faith? Well, friends, today I'm going to ask, are we in the habit of getting up each morning and reminding ourselves that ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God? And I'm curious if you've developed the daily habit of praying the engineer's prayer. Remember it? Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me have you mustered up the boldness? You see, friends, just like Jerry in today's true story, the Lord will engineer circumstances with our family members, with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with acquaintances, and even that stranger we providentially bump into from time to time, whom we'll call Person X. And every encounter has the exact same objective. And maybe this will help us as we seek to be available for the Lord, to be used by him for his glory. So, friends, listen carefully. God wants people to know he loves them. It really is that simple. Let me say that again. God wants people to know he loves them. After all, hasn't the most well-known verse in the Bible made that clear? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever is believing in him should not perish but have eternal life. I don't think God has stopped loving the world of people, has he? We just need to get it through our thick skulls that he desires to love the world of people through us. 
That's why, friends, I repeat our ministry mantra in each session. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And remember, not just channels, but loving channels. So far, each of these encounters with people that we've looked at in the scriptures contains a common thread of characteristics. Let's just take a moment and review some of them. In John 4, we analyze Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. Some characteristics Jesus exhibited here were, first, he made himself available, and not just passively available as in the attitude, if someone appears to be in need today, I'll try to help them, but rather actively available. In other words, choosing to go out of his way to minister to the Samaritan woman. Remember I said going through Samaria was not a geographical necessity, but rather a spiritual necessity. That's why I called that session, How Does Jesus See Others? We could even tag on to our engineer's prayer this additional thought, Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. And, Lord, help me see others the way Jesus sees others. Friends, Jesus' look was a proactive look. Jesus was actively available, not just passively available. Second, Jesus recognized stepping stones to final faith and created a hunger and a thirst, no pun intended, for spiritual knowledge. Third, he was patient. Fourth, Jesus asked questions. Fifth, he was straightforward, yet he was tactful. And sixth, Jesus saw beyond the immediate need, yet he met the immediate need, building a bridge to bring the deeper spiritual answer to a person's need. Next, in Acts 8, we dissected Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. That session I called, How Does the Holy Spirit See Others? Notice Philip exhibited some of the same characteristics. First, he made himself available. Second, Philip also recognized stepping stones to final faith. He did that with a question, asking if the eunuch understood what he was reading, and then interpreted the Isaiah passage for him. Third, he demonstrated patience as well. And fourth, Philip adds to this mix a fact that we must read between the lines, that like Jesus, he was both a man of prayer and attuned to the Holy Spirit's voice. Next, in Luke 10, we observe the Good Samaritan, who exhibited several of these same characteristics. This session was, How Do We Live Out the Savior's Call? First, the Good Samaritan made himself available. Second, he felt compassion and subsequently demonstrated love outwardly by actions. And third, he cared enough to meet the man's immediate needs. After that, a few of other sessions, we unpacked some critical terms in the equation of our faith. What will others see? First, we dissected spiritual love. In other words, biblical love, agape love, and what it means to accept the challenge to love with Jesus's love. In other words, understanding Jesus's love and how we can imitate it according to the Bible's definition. Recall I shared this, when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, we forfeit forever the right to choose whom we will love. Second, we unpacked spiritual favor, in other words, grace, and what it means to bring grace to others. In so doing, we differentiated between mere humanitarian efforts and Christian ministry. 
You recall I said when we minister to others, we don't just bring goods, we bring grace. And third, we unwrap spiritual motivation, why we do what we do. In other words, understanding that our goal should be to bring glory to God and not take credit for ourselves. Instead, we're to acknowledge or point to the Lord as the supplier of all our resources. Remember, our ministry mantra begins, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs. Well, friends, in light of these truths, would you consider praying a bold and gutsy prayer, one that synthesizes these elements like, Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me and lord help me see with jesus's eyes help me hear the spirit's voice help me love whomever you bring across my path help me bring grace and lord i ask these things because i want you to get the glory Friends, I'm challenging all of us. In fact, I'm daring all of us to pray this prayer on a daily basis. And this prayer, friends, now becomes a fitting foundation to understand today's session, Three Lasting Keys to Paving the Way. And here are the three keys. First is intercessory prayer. Second is building bridges. And third is confronting people. Whoa, just a minute, Pastor Tom, not confronting. Friends, don't be intimidated at all by this word confronting, because there's a fundamental definition of this word that's not what we commonly think. And I'll define that, what I mean, in just a little while. First up, I want us to take a look at Acts chapter 16 and the specific portion that records Paul and Silas being thrown into prison. In their travels, Paul and Silas visited Philippi, and they were looking for a place of prayer. While looking, they were confronted by a female slave who had a spirit through which she predicted the future. In fact, she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. Apparently, this got annoying because she followed Paul and his troop around, shouting, "'These men are servants of the Most High God!' We'll pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, verse 18. So this fortune teller kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul was so annoyed that he said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into a prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. What? No whining? No complaining? No, it's just not fair! Well, the text continues, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We're all here! 
the jailer called for lights and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word to him and to all others in his house. Well, shortly after this, it says the jailer was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household, and that Paul and Silas were ordered to be released, and they left in peace. Now, friends, I need to bring us up to speed how the stage was set for why Paul and Silas embarked on these travels. In Acts 15, a council was convened in Jerusalem. It was kind of like the first church board meeting. It was originally convened because of a dispute over whether Gentile converts should be forced to follow the law of Moses. Well, let's just pause here for a moment, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want you to know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home, plus those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at awordfromtheword@minister.com. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. Well, at this church council meeting we just mentioned, a letter was drafted to be delivered and read to the churches in Antioch. Since the dispute originated in Antioch, it was decided that after the meeting, the apostles and elders should visit the churches in Antioch and surrounding regions to encourage those Christians. So, Paul and Silas headed out together and later picked up Timothy in Lystra. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision handed down at the council meeting. As chapter 16 opens and the ball starts rolling, some significant statements are made about the leading of the Holy Spirit. In verses 6 through 11, we see the Holy Spirit redirecting them and preventing them from going to certain areas. Then Paul had a vision that they should go to Macedonia and preach the gospel. Eventually they came to Philippi, and the incident with the jailer occurred that we read earlier. Now, in the portion we read, friends, here's a few significant things that tie in with today's session. Three lasting keys to pave the way. In 16.12, we see a strategy for bringing the gospel. First, going to a leading city. In other words, discerning where people might be by seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance, but also using one's intelligence to know where the good fishing spots are, so to speak. For the first century apostles, this usually meant going to a port city or a key commerce city. This way, the gospel would be taken with business travelers back to where they came from. In verse 14, we see the apostles recognizing stepping stones to faith as they met Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. The text says the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. In verses 25 and 28, Paul and Silas, after being beaten and thrown into prison, were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening. Now, friends, please give this New Jersey guy a little latitude. Allow me to add some of my Jersey sarcasm. Paul and Silas weren't whining, being bummed out that they were in prison. They weren't praying, Lord, get us out of here so we can be out there preaching the gospel. Evidently, God wanted them preaching the gospel in there. 
Friends, remember how Paul began his letter to the Philippians? In chapter 1, verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Then he goes on with, Everyone here knows I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Whoa! Paul then remarked, It has become clear throughout the palace guard that he was in chains for Christ. Now, friends, let's see how our lasting keys fit as a template over Paul and Silas's experience. Key number one was intercessory prayer. And I propose to you that when the text said that Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns right after being beaten, their prayers were not whining and grumbling prayers. I'll even go out on a limb here and suggest they were praying for the prisoners around them and counting on their joy in the Lord being seen and heard, thus building a natural bridge to reach out to them with their faith. Key number two was, in fact, building bridges. I'm positive that in a subtle, maybe even indirect way, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, Paul and Silas desired to make themselves available to become bridges, uh, loving channels, to the prisoners around them. After all, look what happened to the jailer himself. Friends, notice how God engineered circumstances for both Paul and Silas and the Philippian jailer so they would be brought together at this key moment in time so that divine resources would meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. The discerning Apostle Paul transformed a human circumstance into a divine circumstance and turned a natural conversation into a supernatural one, resulting in the jailer getting saved. The jailer's initial fear of execution for losing prisoners turned into the jailer's faith, being saved from more than just earthly consequences. Amen? And key number three, confronting people, is evident here as well. Friends, earlier I said not to be intimidated by the word confront. Believe it or not, the most basic definition of confront is to bring face to face. Acts 16, 31, and 32 have often been used in evangelism training. But let's notice the original context of the statement, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The context reveals that it's not a response to a spiritual plea at all. Friends, this is the great thing about listening to the Spirit's voice and making ourselves available to become loving channels for the Lord's use. Our lives become a spiritual adventure, kind of like a roller coaster ride with God. God can engineer any natural circumstance and turn it around so it becomes a spiritual encounter and an opportunity for the gospel. We just have to be looking, listening, and readily available. Friends, I just love how Paul and Silas made themselves available and took advantage of that non-spiritual moment by intentionally turning it into a spiritual moment. The outcome being ministry took place when divine resources met a human need through some loving channels to the glory of God. Here, friends, Paul and Silas brought the jailer face to face with the claims of the gospel at a critical moment in his life. The jailer meant, what must I do to save my neck? But Paul and Silas answered, you must believe in Jesus and you'll save your soul. 
And look at the rippling effect here. Paul and Silas making themselves available and taking advantage of the opportunity God engineered were able to present the gospel not only to the jailer, but a further door open to bring his whole family to Christ. Now, let me just say here, friends, confronting is key number three. It's not key number one. Prior to key number three, there must be keys number one and number two, intercessory prayer and building bridges. So, friends, be confident and be bold. When you begin praying for people and extending God's love to them in whatever appropriate ways you can, build bridges. The Lord will open and prepare hearts, just like he did with Jerry's motorcycle contact and just like he did with Lydia. Because, friends, as we're seeing, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. My hope is that we're getting better at looking with Jesus' eyes, listening to the Spirit's voice, living out the Savior's call, loving others with God's love, leaving the solution to Christ, letting God's grace flow through us, lighting our world to the glory of God, and today, the three lasting keys that pave the way, intercessory prayer, building bridges, and confronting people. So let's pray for the people around us in our relationship circles who need Jesus so they'll see Jesus in us. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us ways we can naturally and creatively let our faith be seen. Pray the engineer's prayer. Has God been moving in response to your prayer? Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so you can love them through me. Well, I love coming alongside you who are without a church home or those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Podcasts can also be accessed on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at ChristianBody.net, a word from the word is now being broadcast to over 70 countries. Friends, I invite you to invest in the ministry of a word from the word in 2023 and help us become fully funded. Listeners like you keep a word from the word on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, Email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.